Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. Well, thank you for coming back. This episode, I'll be chatting sport and winning with comedian Neil Delamer and singer Neve Cavanaugh will be telling me what it's like to represent your country and bring home the gold. It's all very exciting. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes and Podomatic. There we go. Talk about across the board. Do you like the way I do all of this ad stuff right at the start so you can just fast forward through if you don't want to hear it? Come to think of it, you'll probably fast forward through this bit. Oh well, your loss. You'll miss the spectacular theme tune. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fascinated. I am someone that spent most of my childhood avoiding team sports. Watching games I used to cheer when everyone else cheered, or sometimes I just fell asleep. And dear God, do not get me started on when I actually tried to play football because that was a very dark day in the Farrelly household. But whether we're supporters or players, human beings love to win. We love to feel like we count. This would be the perfect time for me to say, unless of course you support, insert random team name here, but I've got more to be doing than sitting around googling losers. It's our primal instinct to want to be top dog. Just as people can recall where they were when they heard JFK had been assassinated or the Twin Towers were attacked, Irish sporting fans remember vividly where they were when Packy Bonner saved the penalty against Romania in the 1990 World Cup or a long drive home from Croke Park that flew because of the excited chatter about an unforgettable afternoon. What I do understand is that we have a special place in our hearts for people that compete on our behalf. Comedian Neil Delamere recalled a show in Burr where someone he had cheered for showed up in the audience. It was a nice experience. Uh, it was you and I were doing a gig there, yeah. and then um, just uh, after the gig, I think it was, I was thanking everybody, and uh, I, I mentioned Brian Whelan or something. Now Brian Whelan would be kind of a hero of mine who would have been uh, played for athletes in the nineties and won several club all Irelands with Borough and would have won um, a couple of all Irelands with Offaly as well. And we have won anything since then as well, importantly. And uh, it being Ireland, he was in. And somebody went, oh, he's here. And uh, we put up the house lights and there he was sitting, you know, six or seven rows in front. So it was kind of a strange way to bump into somebody who gave you great pleasure and great joy at some point, you know. Uh, I think I think he was expecting me to be, to kind of take the piss out of him or something. And it was just at the end of the show and I, I didn't because I, I kind of just kind of thanked him for giving great great pleasure to huge amounts of Offaly fans and uh, I almost, I kind of became a little bit emotional really, to be honest with you. It was kind of odd. It was, it was because suddenly you're, you're 17 or 18 again. You're 15. Yeah. In 1994, you're 15. And um, I suppose it's just unexpected. You don't, I, I, if you told me I was going to meet 
one of our guys from that team tomorrow, you go, oh, grand, cool. Yeah, yeah. Rest, but just there when you're not expecting it. And um, I don't know, I was suddenly 15 again and it was Oasis posters in the walls and your team was, was winning and um, you and your brother were going to Tullamore to see a packed crowd and the usual GA lads in the back of a lorry saying thanks very, very much to the fans to go and see. So and sport can do that, you know. Yeah, what is it about sport that pulls that passion out of us? I, I, I think kind of GA is almost the only honest sport left because of the of the amateur nature of the game, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, sport can give you great entertainment and it can be full of grace and full of skill and, and balletic, particularly if you're talking about something like hurling, um, and bravery and skill and, and, um, and acumen as well, if you look at some Brian Driscoll playing rugby. But GA, um, I suppose, it, uh, you see how it brings communities together. Yeah. And little, little local rugby clubs, little local football clubs, they all bring sport together, people together, and they they can, they can form communities, I suppose. You know? When a small community then goes and wins something on the national stage, it's, it, it, kind of, it suits the Irish psyche, I suppose. You know? Is it that, do you think that we're, as a race, we tend to be kind of a little bit downtrodden? And that this is, we kind of fight to the top? Well, we're certainly tribal. I know everybody always says we're tribal, but we are. I've been reading a lot of history lately. And you just kind of go, when the idea, when the idea of the nation state was being formed in Europe, and, you know, one central authority, we were still fighting with the fellow next door. And, of course, the great thing the GAA did in particular, uh, and latterly kind of the Munster and Leinster and rugby, they, they took advantage of that, you know. And uh, so that plays into our, our tribalism. And, and if you think about the... the, the Kind of unit of currency, or the basic unit, I suppose, of the GAA is the parish. Yeah. So uh, we hit them and they hit us, but then we club together to form a county, and then we still hit them and they hit us, and then we club together to form a province. And um, I think that that is a huge part. Do you think that sport is. Um, it's a distraction as well, remember? Yeah. There's this thing that we're kind of, it's routine, but it's also exciting routine. Yeah. Uh, and if you consider you can see your butcher playing cornerback in Cork Park. Or your, or your bank manager yeah. forward in Cork yeah. for 80,000 people and it's seen by millions of people around the world on the internet and all the rest. That's kind of remarkable. That doesn't, no other sport has that anymore. You know? But all sports can kind of, it can just elevate us from the mundane. You watch Messi and you go, God, that man is, that, that, that's talent granted by the universe or God or genetics or something. But it just distracts us for a while from filling our tax returns and yeah. paying off the traffic orders. And it, it's athletic ability is always impressive, more, more so than anything else. Yeah. I think if, you know, if somebody's representing you and they're strong, yes. then you kind of feel... Yeah, athletic ability, but also bravery or, or grace under pressure. People find that in, in various guises. People find that in arts. They find that in going to theatre or film. And, and some people find it in sport. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look down on anything. Some people look down on sport. And some, yeah. look, and some people look down on on theatre and look down on opera and all the rest. Of it. If it's not for you, it's not for you. That's fine. But I wouldn't knock it for somebody else. Also, it's the only method that Irish fellas can talk to each other. It's the yeah. only method by which your dad and you and your brothers will have any sort of meaningful conversation. Yeah, like I mean, grown men can actually cry in front of each other yeah. when someone misses a point. But you know, at a funeral, they would. Staunchy yeah. shake hands and shake stoic hands. and yes, yeah, absolutely stoic. Discussed uh, how good the sandwiches were at the funeral. But I mean, if Ireland get to the world, like you see the 1990s, you see Ireland get to the world cup and grown men are open and weeping in the streets. And um, I would watch it a really good years now and kind of go. Oh. <laughs> what do you think it's like for somebody like say Packy Bonner, who yeah. uh, I, I did something recently where he was there 
and it was obligatory that you got your photograph taken with him. Really? And, it, you know, I'd never turned down the opportunity, yeah. but it was just like he just stood there and he just, people just reeled around because of this thing he did years ago. I mean, I wonder, do, you, do you ever wonder what it's like for them? So I do little, wonder what it's like for sportsmen in particular. I often wonder what is it like to possibly do the, the not ne necessarily the greatest thing you'll ever do, but certainly the best known thing you'll ever do, probably before you're 30. Yeah. And you could live to your 80 or 90, and yet some people will view your peak being at 30 or 25 or 35 at, yeah. at the very most, you know? I think that must be very strange. You know, and it's something you can never do again. Yeah, and, and and even football managers and sports managers will tell you that it's not the same managing as they're playing football or playing or whatever, you know. So I always kind of wonder how they cope with that. And um, I also often think about Irish sports people. In the if you win an Olympic medal in Ireland, that's you, famous forever. Yeah. Because we win so few. Whereas you, if you look at say American track and field, particularly like track and field, Michael Johnson was a hero of mine when I was growing up. Um, a hero meaning that I, I, I admired what he could do and he was, he was fantastic, right? But I, I think a lot of your average Americans wouldn't have known who he was, even though he won half of the Olympic gold medals, because track and field was so far down the pecking order of sports in America. So there's baseball and NFL and basketball and hockey and all the way down below that. They're, they're so used to winning Olympic medals, um, as are Russia and as are China and all the big nations, where I think if you're Irish, you are unlikely because of our small pool of athletes to win the Olympic gold medal but you're known forever if you do. I always think that's a kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy I suppose. Yeah well I suppose that you've kind of got to get out of jail free cards for yeah, the rest of your life. Yeah get out of jail free card as a get off penalty points with every guard for the rest of your life. Yeah <laughs> and until, it's worth it for that. Until relatively recently. Pretty sure the rules are going to change on that. <laughs> Possibly going to tighten up those particular uh, regulations. I'll tell you this. It's a very strange feeling to have 50,000 or 80,000 people in a stadium feeling the same thing at the same time. And if yeah. you look at um, you, something like a great comedy gig, for example, or a great uh, play, and the reason it kind of connects with people is, is just everybody feels the same thing, or everybody's moved in a particular way at the same time. Sport can do this in, in a similar yeah. way. I was at Ireland Holland years ago and it was uh, part of our qualification campaign and we had to, I think we had to beat them or we certainly had to get a result and very early on Roy Keane clattered and I mean clattered Mark Overmars I mean went straight through him and the ref didn't book him or anything like that and the whole crowd kind of thought oh this, this could be our day yeah. this could be our day and then, I think it was Clivert or somebody, yeah it was Clivert, uh, Patrick Clivert was a, was a Netherlands footballer, brilliant, he was probably playing for Barca at the time, and um, ran into the penalty area, and Shea Gibbon dragged him down in what can only be described as a rugby tackle, and the penalty wasn't given, and everybody in that stadium in Lansdowne Road went, I, I think, dare to, dare to dream. It's a very strange collective experience, it's almost like a, in, in, when, when Religion is on the way, and possibly in this country, yeah. it can almost be a religious experience of everybody feeling the same thing at the exact same time. That's an impressive thing to create in the whole nation, just yeah. to suddenly feel something, and it's remembered forever. Yeah, and if you don't think the sport can affect people and it can be woven into the very fabric of a place, I will defy you to stand on the cop in Liverpool when they hold the minute silence for Hillsborough. 
it is incredible. There's forty-five, there's fifty thousand people, and there isn't. You could hear a pin drop. It's amazing the, the outpouring of, of emotion and kind of silence. And, and it was a very dignified moment of commemoration. But it's it's hairs in the back of your uh, hairs in the back of your neck. It really is. Every so often they say we're going to try it up midfield this week, Garoud. I'd say I don't think so. <laughs> These are Nike. But the guy that ran the team, like he, he did, he hated me. Like I was, I was a little bit high maintenance, like for a nine-year-old. Like there was no way I was drinking every communal water bottle for a start. I used to bring a bottle of Evian and a face cloth. <laughs> But my dad was very supportive though when I played football. Like he would come to every single match and he'd shout and he'd cheer. And then he'd go around at half time and he'd tell everyone that I had polio. <laughs> they had a table quiz for me. <laughs> then I went off for my operation. <laughs> Three weeks in Portugal, high five. <laughs> The Eurovision Song Contest comes in for plenty of criticism, but in 90s Ireland, the Celtic Tiger had been born, World Cup 90 had given us a taste of victory, and we were hungry for more. The year after Linda Martin won with Why Me, 300 million people around the world tuned into a show broadcast from Mill Street, County Cork. Commitment singer Neve Cavanagh was selected to represent Ireland with the song In Your Eyes, which became the runaway winner on the night. The combination of a win on home ground and a big ballad brought a swell of national pride and huge record sales for Neve. Following the competition, Neve signed a huge record deal and had the biggest selling single of 1993. She spent time in Nashville recording her debut album with top producer John Jennings. While she's gone on to do different things, she is still recognised for her achievement that night in 1993. In 2009, Neve performed with the RTE Concert Orchestra in the National Concert Hall in Dublin for a Eurovision celebration. She brought the house down and afterwards was approached to represent Ireland once again at the contest. While she didn't win this time, her husband and children got to experience it with her. Now, having known Neve for a long time, it's always brilliant to see people's reaction to her. It's 20 years since her win, but people still come up to her on the street to talk about it. The night before I interviewed her, we were stopped by someone who recognised her, who literally burst into tears while talking to her. And while Neve happily accepts that she did a great job at the contest, she admits that sometimes this outpouring of emotion that she's greeted with is as much to do with the individual and their memories of where they were and who was with them that night we won. Okay, now, firstly, we need full disclosure here. Right. Full disclosure. <laughs> because this will probably sound like a very in-depth interview. Very I'd imagine, in won't it? Yes, very personable. And you'd be thinking how the quality of your interviewing skills have gone up oh immensely. God, the research. Research. The research <laughs> you must have done. <laughs> but the thing about it is you, you and me go way back, oh, don't we? Too long, too long. Too long. Bad. Well, you know, you would have been like really very, very young. Very young. I think the first time I, I met you, it was, you know, you were looking quite shell-shocked at my door when I had yeah. just won the Eurovision. Was it Eurovision or Eurosong? Were you like a, no, it was, ahead of the game? No, no, it was, it was way after Eurovision. Oh it was goodness. it was about maybe the September. What happened was I decided that if a Eurovision winner lives near me, 
we're going to have to be friends. No, it, absolutely. Best that's, friends. Look, that's it. Uh, so yes. I just showed up. I was like, hi, Neve. I'm your new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember quite that way. <laughs> I just remember that's you. more or less the way. I remember you. more or less. You know, the mouth moving and no sound coming out. That's why I was yes. so shocked when I answered the door. <laughs> That's what I remember. And every, and every every time I see a Eurovision fan nowadays, I just think they're before the grace of God. I know, <laughs> I know. But you so, have special, you were straight in there. So if you haven't worked it out, listeners, I'm sitting in my spare room with a national treasure. Oh, national treasure. National treasure. Miss Neve Kavanagh. da 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 Surely you should have some sort of, a, you know, trumpets. There should be a fanfare. Or something, yeah, I don't know. I, I've actually, I've tried to explain this to people, to friends who know that I know you. Mm-hmm about what it's actually like when you come back to Dublin because you live up in Carrickfergus. Yes, actually, I live up there. I've been living up there about 15 years now. So um, coming back to Dublin, I forget. Now, people still recognise me up there, which surprises me because it's like 100 years that go for me in my head. Yeah. But uh, interestingly enough, when I come to Dublin, um, I suddenly remember. It's kind of incessant. Yeah, but it's nice, you know. Oh, the, I mean, it's lovely. the way people recognise me is different to other people, right? Well, I mean, in fairness, sometimes I go to events, specific events, where you have the ardent Eurovision fans, and Paul will say to me when I come home, it's my husband, and he'd say to me, you know, well, how'd you do today? And I said, well, I had uh, four screamers, two fainters, and a crier. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, because you you kind of have levels of fans who who are so surprised to be in the same space as you. Yeah. And, you know, five minutes before I was out hanging the washing on the line or p- picking up the dirty pants off the floor. You know, that, yeah. it, you know, that's the reality. But you just kind of, you. I mean, you know me, so I'm the yeah. most normal person. You're the most ordinary. Ordinary, ordinary person. Or, the I'm most ordinary national treasure that great. you will ever meet. I am so not kitted out to be, a, to be kind of well known because it just surprises me all the time. Even now it surprises me. That people still recognise me because it was 1993, and we're not going to do we're not going to no. do the maths. I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud. Yes, it is 20 years. It's 20 years. This and year. Li- like for example, on Sunday night we walked from the cinema to a bar, and then in the bar, yes, in the bar, a few there was people. significant. Well, yes, but in fairness, and there was a crier. There was a crier. <laughs> there was a crier, and a very exuberant fan. Do you know? To be honest with you, it's it's very pleasant. People recognise yeah. me in a different way. It's not like, you know, oh my god, there's name. Mostly, it's ah, there you are. I, yeah. You know, or I, yeah. I get this a lot, you know, um, you're the image of Eve Kavanagh, you know. And so depending <laughs> on how much time I have in my hands or whether I can be bothered, I say uh, either um, that's because it's me or I get that all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just go on, you know, because sometimes you need time for that, you know. But it's most people are very pleasant. It's very nice. It's, it's you know, it's largely not... A, a bad thing it's mostly people just been very pleasant and go and kind of have a photograph and yeah or um it's a shame you lost that Eurovision you know that sort of thing oh, they, nice. always, like, they, always, nice. yeah, they always have the positive things to be said absolutely <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. the thing about your Eurovision uh, mm-hmm. when you won mm-hmm. that was the one that people kind of it's the one you don't win because it's, you've just won the previous year yes of course that and was the first home win and yeah. then all of a sudden it's not a straightforward thing it's not like you're kind of sitting there going um, I'm going to win this but I think the energy was oh she's doing great and we love this song and we've put all this effort into this Eurovision wouldn't it be great if we won it but we're not really expecting it it was kind of you have to understand the psyche of, of Ireland then you know you used to yeah. celebrate if you only lost 2-0 to, to yeah, you know in the course. football sometimes you know there, there is an element of we were just at the cusp of getting to be winners in the world and so um, the 
really when we did win it was phenomenal it was just it felt like everybody's win it wasn't even yeah. just my win or Jimmy Walsh's win who is the actual songwriter it felt like everybody won all the people who put on the weeks of work in Mill Street I mean because you remember it wasn't in the city so it was a yeah, huge it was commitment Greenglands Arena and then also because the voting was so close like it was like down to the very last vote and so it became even more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So it was it just I, I remember when you won that when you were walking out onto the stage. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I always remember this, my mom saying now, anyone that has a baby tonight, they should call it Neve. Yeah, there's a lot of Neves. There's a lot of Neves. I'd say about twenty saying, Why why did you call me that? I don't understand <laughs> that. I know. But but you know, it's a beautiful name, so it's fine. I always think this kind of gets a bit lost in the sauce. You had a, a very successful career. Before yes, but, yeah, but it was within along. the music industry. It wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't known publicly. If no. you understand. I mean, it was always behind the scenes. I did a lot of wonderful recording before and worked with fantastic people. I mean, I did my time basically. I was. I mean, yeah. I was twenty five when I won it, so it was seven years gigging, and I did two years in a wedding band, which is a brilliant band. We did all kind of. That's kind of where I learned my trade, you know, and yeah. and, and then because um, the first time I sang with them, because I trained as opera, I had blown the speakers. Uh, because I was, I, microphones weren't something that you had close to so I had to learn an awful lot to be with them and then I did two years in a dance band which was really good from a presentation point of view of finding out who I was when I was talking to people and so I'd done four years and then I auditioned like I'd say everybody in Dublin auditioned and probably yeah. more for the commitments and it was Louis Walsh was in the office with Carol Hanna who used to book us out and she said, sure, there's a slot. You should go down and audition. Now, we were a dance band that did Kylie Minogue and um, Technotronic. And it wasn't <laughs> I would really... Love, I would love to see you sing Technotronic. I was bloody good at it. <laughs> and I, <don't>... <laughs> I was good at it. <laughs> and you you were... couldn't breathe, of course, obviously. <laughs> and back in that time, you were often seen in a pair of cycling shorts. That's correct. Cycling shorts and mini mi- micros and micro minis <laughs> or whatever they call them. Uh, until, obviously, uh, somebody took a photograph from an unflattering angle. So I stuck to the cycling shorts after that. But sure, you can see it. On, uh, in a very early appearance my first appearance on TV was back in one of my first appearances was actually on the Pat Kenny Kenny Live in 91 uh, with singing Gloria Estefan's uh, one, one two, two three, three four, in my cycling shorts uh, <laughs> I just want to be very clear about that I'm very proud of that now because I tell you I die for that figure now <laughs> I, at the time I felt like I needed to but no I die for it now but you know, um, to be honest with you, I uh, I I did rec- I auditioned for the thing. Didn't think Anton was going to come out of that, and then got down to the last five um, females left for the three leads. Yeah. So when you met when we went in, there was this lovely girl, Brona, who instantly you knew was going to be Bernie. You just knew it. Yeah. And then Angeline Ball and another girl called I think it was Jocelyn and two girls. Um, they were kind of the two blondes and then myself and Maria Doyle and I was a brunette, short brunette at the time. And so, um, you know, we both knew by the songs we were given, we were more or less up for the same part. Now, they did the right thing. Maria's a fantastic actress and she's a wonderful singer. Yeah. And they all sang their own songs, but he gave me an enormous compliment by giving me three songs on the album. Alan Parker just uh, surprised the life out of me by offering me that. And so I recorded on that album and then that led because Maria was busy doing her own thing after the movie. That led to me going to the to Los Angeles, the Grammys in New York. Oh my gosh, that was a phenomenal experience. I did all these things, but nobody knew who I was. 
So yeah. it was really a fantastic learning experience for me. So when I hit the national song contest, I was expecting to go in and out and be anonymous again. Okay. And the Eurovision the same. I didn't, I actually when I got the song in your eyes, I thought I really liked it. But, you know, Eurovision wasn't that well thought of. Yeah. You know, and I was working with the likes of Bill Whelan and, you know, all these great producers in, in, in Dublin doing all sorts of manner things. Anything from, you know, uh, recording some work for the Abbey or recording, you know, with wonderful recording artists yeah uh, and singing Mr. Gravy Granny Lads and you know, <laughs> you know and I'm proud of every single one one of my favourites that's <laughs> one of my favourite ones <laughs> and actually Erin Gravy Rich I sang that I was a bit I was a gravy girl for a while don't miss the boat don't miss the boat that's right the great tasting gravy had so much more I remember I can't believe uh, we don't do that anymore no well you see what actually happened is I would gladly do it but the no thing I mean is, in your set oh <laughs> It's so in the next one. Yeah, it's in the next one. <laughs> the next one. This, this is an old one. Yeah, this is a, here's a here's a classic. Um, yeah, and I did the Yorkies and the five times better than your average banana and all of those things. Really? We did loads of things. Oh, it was so fantastic. We had a great, great, great. Uh, I did loads of things. HB in the sunshine. But then I was doing all these different things, and it, it my career really went across a lot of great things. I was playing with great bands, wonderful players. But, you know, the public didn't know who I was. And so yeah. when I was offered uh, the Euro song with In Your Eyes, now I got in previous years I'd been offered, but I didn't like the song so much. So I didn't really pay much attention to it. But then I really liked this song. and But I kind of was nervous of the Eurovision. Yeah. Which is quite natural. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it definitely was. It didn't, it didn't even, I don't think it had the camp value even back then. No, I no. I think it was very... I, I'll be honest with you. You know, people talk about the glory days of Eurovision being our time. But actually, we weren't well regarded for doing it at the time. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? We, yeah. People regard us more for doing it now because we were winners and we haven't reached those heady heights for a while. Yeah. But actually, at the time, the first question most journalists asked was, what do you think about the kiss of death with Eurovision? You know, how do you feel that you're going to be unsuccessful in your life because you're involved in such a thing? And nice. <laughs> yes, it's it's a very heartwarming uh, thing to get in an interview. <laughs> and to me, quite close-minded, so to be honest so with you. I mean, look at the lovely interview you got from me. I know. Look at that. <laughs> I know, I love it. I love it. But, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, I really loved the song and I thought I was just going to go in do the National Song Contest and come out. Sure, a decent TV, what's wrong with that? And yeah. then we won it in very resoundingly. Yeah. And um, so that was a bit of a surprise. So I went from just doing my ordinary thing to doing 14 interviews a day and, you know, getting ready for the actual National Song or for the Eurovision and being the home representative. It took on a new thing because it was down in Mill Street and stuff. Yeah. And of course, the big story was I came out from behind the bank tellers because I was working and during the day in the bank because I was a great believer that I don't starve from my musicianship. I got to choose any yeah. gigs I wanted to do. Absolutely. Uh, it's but like I'm short thing free. Hello, hello. Take, it costs money for it to keep them up, you know. Yeah. I'm not good at the darn and you know, so I have to buy the new ones. So anyway, we went, we got to the whole uh, thing at the end of the day and um, so it sounded like I just came out from the bank and going, ta-da! And actually that wasn't necessarily true but I, I didn't mind that and the yeah, second yeah. bank didn't. Yeah, the absolutely. bank were deliriously happy <laughs> yeah. uh, and there were brilliant ad cam campaigns and all that but they actually didn't even know I was going for it so I just told my manager I said oh, listen, I'm doing this thing on Sunday night and they were so used to me doing stuff they didn't even think about it 
and there was murder because I took Monday off obviously after the Euro song I said it might be late so I'll, I'll uh, if you don't mind I'm on a split shift with it can I take Monday off and they <laughs> <laughs> the CEO there was murder murder in the building because they didn't know that I was even doing it and you know how the bank you, well certainly oh, in the olden yeah. days they would have loved anybody doing anything yeah, for the any country sort of publicity. especially yeah, the country yeah. thing you know the international thing so um, I I worked right up to two weeks before the Eurovision and well, they gave me lots of time off to do whatever I needed to do but I was in and out and I was working like mad but I was used to that level because I was working at night gigging yeah, and I was yeah. working during the day anyway yeah. so it didn't really matter and I loved it it was brilliant but I still didn't understand what was happening and I was really surprised when people started to recognise me it was just not right you know because I was so used yeah. to that Not so winning the Eurovision was a bit of a shocker yeah because I mean I, I think in Ireland as well probably to establish it the commitments was huge oh, I mean yeah. that, 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 that al- those albums were they were absolutely huge you could not go into a shop no you couldn't they were constantly being played I, everywhere I went I remember the first time I heard it was in the cinema in Tala and I was going to see the Terminator 2 I think it was with my boyfriend and I went and I sat in the seat and the, you know we were early for once normally we're running in during the breaks going mad I want to see the trailers you know that's yeah, yeah. and um, hitting each other on the way in <laughs> so we got in anyway and uh, we were in early and they were playing Do Right Woman Do Right Man which is one of the songs that I was singing and it was amazing because I felt like running up the front and going that's me that's me and you know that started the trend for about two years where the commitments was played everywhere and yeah. Destination Anywhere is probably one of the most popular songs in it yeah. Nowhere to Run and do right woman there's three but in particular destination anywhere everywhere I went I was changing my jeans in the in a dressing room once and there was a woman singing it next door and you know it's most bizarre thing for people to be singing with your voice and loving your voice but not actually knowing who you are yeah it's very bizarre but I actually quite liked it I didn't yeah, mind I'd it say, yeah. you know because it suited me I was busy enough and I was doing lovely things and I was having great things happen in my life but I didn't need to all the other stuff with it yeah, so in yeah. a weird way when it really hit in 93 it didn't change who I was because I was very aware how it can change it yeah, because you've been satelliting around her for so long. Yeah, and I saw the the trajectory, shall we say, the moments yeah. when you're very visible and then when once when you're not. So you have to be really secure in yourself that you're doing the job that you want to do when you do it and that you're proud of what you do. And that's yeah. kind of my tenet for life. I remember a few years back, uh, one of the lovely interviews I had and this interviewer said, how do you feel about the fact that the lack of success in your life? And I, I know it's it's always joyful. It's always joyful. He thought he was being controversial, or probably you know a serious journalist having he probably wasn't all that enamoured about having to interview an ex Eurovision winner. And I said to him, uh, "Well, I tell you what," I said, "I've sung on albums that are sold all over the world." I said, "I still continue in my forties to record and to perform and to do wonderful things and a breadth of uh, ability." And um, I have a wonderful home life. I have a great life in my great group of friends and fans and everything. Where in that am I not successful? Oh, well done. And, you know, and that, but it's everybody guides it on whether you're going to be Celine Dion. (laughs) In my head I was saying that. Obviously, as a national treasure, I can't say that. (laughs) As a national treasure, I have to say, that's fine. You can say what you like to me. Say what you like, I'll just smile. Yes, I just smile. Uh, But secretly in my head I'm going, you know. Yeah, that's that's below that. May you get slightly lame when you go out the door. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I, you know, that is such an attitude that people have to your vision. 
Yeah. And the difficulty is it cripples then what we send. And I don't mean that in a bad way to other yeah. people. Uh, uh, really, anybody who's gone goes and represents, and I'm proud of anyone who goes and gives it a good go. Yeah. You know, and the end of the day, people have to take this more seriously if they want to be involved in it more seriously. Yeah. You know, they, there's no point in not allowing people. Nobody wants to be judged. Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's a simple truth. I have no problem being judged because I go and I look at a thing and I say, do I want to do that? When I went back in 2010, I was prepared to go out at the national stage because I knew I liked the song and that I could sing it well. Yeah. Right? Okay, we can talk about the dress option another time. <laughs> but, you know, the point is, you know, you'll judge dress, you know. You know, when I do my own thing, sometimes it doesn't go the way I want it. <laughs> but, uh, no, the reality is, you know, I was doing something that I was intensely proud of. And when we went to the Nash, the Eurovision, and, you know, we got through the, the final, into the final, that was great. And then we got very little votes in the final. It didn't matter to me. Do you know what I was sad for? I was sad for the other people who didn't get that experience of going through a really exciting voting. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. even feeling they were represented in some way. It was kind of all over before it started for us. Yeah, yeah. But as I said to them, you have no idea how fantastic it is what we've just done. There's like yeah. 250. And actually, both of them are the same for me. The win and the not so win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are the same because I did what I wanted to do. And yeah, I didn't yeah. feel that I was less. Had I gone out and sung badly or perform yeah, badly yeah. then I would feel I was less but I wasn't just because people didn't vote for it it doesn't really matter yeah did you in the intervening time between the two Eurovisions yeah. like you, you did a lot of stuff like get married yeah have, have kids. two kids mm-hmm. who and they weren't around for the first no but they're la- but they're largely unimpressed about the fact that I'm a singer I, because I, I remember you saying that oh my god before you did 2010 you, you kind of sat down with your husband and said look you, you do you understand what might happen I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to be the level of, but I recall what happened the first time and how much it took over my life. And it's it's fine when you're saying, you know, what, I wasn't saying I was going out with someone, but I mean, I wasn't entrenched in mortgages and children and family. Yeah. And, you know, I said, do you understand that if it does really go, you know, it may require me being away a lot, even as it stands. This is before I did because, the national. Because I mean, even, even before that, you were you had done lots of stuff, and you were you were busy. Anyway. Yes, but I always I was always free to make choices. Yeah. About how busy I was at any particular time. Yeah. Right, and I'm very fortunate in that way, in the sense that I do tend to now some of it's my choice in the sense that I decide how much is enough. Yeah. And yeah. then you know go on, but actually. Um, I was able to work around the family situation and I changed what I did and you know people would discuss whether it was a successful thing or not I don't really care I made choices based on I didn't have children for other people to raise them that's the way it yeah, is yeah. you know and that's my personal thing and I was a mammy but I still gigged so I was fine I was doing plenty and I still do plenty um, and now they're getting older it's a bit easier but when I went approached 2010 I said to them this will require, I'm going to tell you, if we get through the national, I know for sure it's going to require some travel, some interviews. It's going, my focus is going to be elsewhere for a while. And then in the very unlikely, <laughs> in the very <laughs> unlikely thing, if it wins, because you have to have this conversation. You can't not act as if. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you suddenly get there and you win and we're not prepared for that. I said, you know, realistically, that could mean that you'd be traveling. I'd be traveling Europe. And that's not a practical thing for him to follow me around Europe because the kids are there and they need someone and I'm a bit stringent about that. Yeah. Now Paul and I play together a lot. He's a wonderful guitarist and we're great fun together and we have a great time but it's all based around the fact that we still get home to our kids. You know. Yeah. 
and we would have odd weekends away and stuff like that and do that you know where we'd work and stuff but and the kids are used to that Jesus, I did Panto the last two years and I was seven yeah. weeks away from the house and you know nothing died in the making of us but quite frankly it was hard work <laughs> for all of us <clears throat> but you know the point is you can say all you like music is like breathing for me right singing yeah. is like breathing I, I don't think I'd ever be without being involved in it right I can't I'd be the L one in the corner shouting at you singing at you every time you pass me by right yeah. you know I'd be the scourge of an amateur dramatics because I'd want all the solos and everything. <laughs> you know you know that I'd be that girl if I wasn't yeah. if I wasn't yeah. getting it out in my own yeah, way absolutely and so I will always do it as long as God gives me the the right to have my voice yeah. right that is yeah. the truth of it right yeah now I still have to be normal I can't I've tried to be the diva and it doesn't work it just looks wrong yeah. on, me on every on every well, planet I've, I've always said that of all the people I know you're the person that has the the kind of balance of the whole thing right yeah you, but, you, you really have that right because in the sense that you see it for what it is you do it to the best of its ability oh I love it I, and don't get me wrong I love it when people are kissing my feet I don't you know, I yeah, and, pretend I that mean, like, that is like because there's someone there you won't know but Mairead yeah. your friend oh my best friend who yeah. has been like, you has been like there's many many a time I've stood at a bar oh my god with Mairead while you best are tarzaned round a room yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, it can take. I work like, the room, darling. It can take an hour and a half yeah, to leave somewhere. It does because I, I can't not. If someone takes the time to say hello to me, I feel the need. It's unbelievable. Like it is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Like I remember, like the, the, I remember a time you were doing the Late Late Show when we we were like, oh, we go now, yeah. and there was, it was just one after. You know, and I, I, I will, it's part of me, it feels, you know, and I could sit here and say, how, and you know, your listeners might say, oh, how fabulous is this woman that she takes that time. But part of it is because every time somebody says I'm fabulous, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't be blamed for that. No, don't. You can't be blamed. I don't know anyone on the planet who doesn't want an element of that in their life. Yeah, and, it, and, and they are liars if they say they yeah. don't. You know, I don't care what anyone says. And, you know, I appreciate that. It took me a long time to learn to say, thank you when somebody said instead of going I know she are all right you know when somebody says you're great I know you know I know I'm not really but actually I just go thank you because there's nothing else to say to that yeah right? yeah yeah <laughs> but you're right a lot of tarzaning around the room a lot it's of, unbelievable a lot of a lot of that it is spectacular and it's and it still goes on like I'm always surprised in the places that it happens <laughs> you just and you're always very nice to me it's always very you're you're very nice because what happens is if I'm with you <laughs> you will always say and this is Garoud. Yeah. You might know Garoud, he's a comedian. Yeah. And they don't give yeah. a shit. <laughs> they look at me with a little bit of pity and, <laughs> and ask me to take a photograph of the pair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your photography skills have come on greatly. I'm, I'm going to say that. Well. You, I'm you doing know very well. You know where the camera is on every phone. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm also going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why Mairead comes to you, understand that? Yeah. Because actually you and her have the best time. I'm doing all the yeah, bloody exactly. donkey work. There's been a few and you're times. all having the crack in the corner and the free drink. Absolutely. I, there's been a few times I've rolled in a place <laughs> and I don't even drink. I know, we're very keen living us. Like, oh very good. We're such lightweights. But seriously, and I'm too polite. I actually have decided that. I'm too polite. And when I get into my old age, I'm going to be an old cow. <laughs> because I've had to be so polite for so long. God, I just think it's so funny. <laughs> I want to talk to you about recording in a minute, but mm-hmm. um, like when you recorded in your eyes, yes, uh, did you think? Actually, one question I've always wanted to ask you about: How often do you reckon you sing though? Not as often as people think. Actually, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, uh, because of the way my career is, you see, um, some people live Eurovision. 
Yeah. And some, you know, live in the house all the time. Um, I visit it like my favourite auntie. Okay. You know, I, I absolutely love going, my favourite slightly eccentric auntie, because it is an eccentric Yeah, it's a very... But I absolutely <laughs> love it, because it's so separate to the way I, I am, right? So yeah, I, you know, I yeah. live a very basic life in the sense of we have a, a normal house, much to my children's chagrin, that, you know, they, they feel that as a well-known person like myself, I should be living on some sort of mansion. There's a bigger house down the road. They feel that's where we should really be living. <laughs> and uh, we joke about it all the time. And I, I'm saying that like they're grabby, but they're not grabby children. But you know what I mean? Like it's, they don't, they can't understand why they're not living the celebrity life. And I think that's why they don't ever think of me as a celebrity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I said, someday you're going to look back. But all their mates are starting to YouTube them, me because they're at that age now. They're okay. 11 and 13. So like in secondary school, suddenly Jack realised that all his friends are going that's you know your mother's famous and she's on the youtube and if you're on the youtube like you know you're yeah, you're yeah. in <laughs> you know so you can you get lots of youtube moments for me but some less fabulous than others but you know uh oh yeah well the thing about in your eyes is that i would visit and um i visit it so i would do i did a recorded a more laid-back version because i don't yeah. have an orchestra handy everywhere i go yeah and it's a big song yeah so and it's always at the end yeah <laughs> well, sometimes I choose the beginning. Oh, <laughs> I'm honest with you, I'm not, I'm not adverse. I oh, still well love done. it. I yeah. still love that song because it is a great song. Jimmy Walter wrote a brilliant song. up for me a million wonderful memories yeah and I'm not just talking about the Eurovision I'm talking about the times I've sung it in the middle of a pub somewhere or some woman who was reduced to tears because I sang a chorus for passing by <laughs> which at a toll bridge yes yeah. which is not beyond the positive if somebody says because that, that's my mother who created that yeah. when we were young we were at a party singing house and she'd say sing a song Neve," and the finger be pointed and I sang me song <laughs> yeah. I learned young don't fight it just yeah, sing just... it I sing in your eyes on average I'd say a good few times over the year you can't be recording a song you hate because if you do and it becomes the hit you can't resent it no matter how bloody good you are and yeah. everything because that song will bring you renown it'll bring you money it'll bring you career options it'll bring you satisfaction the reality is if you record it back it up i remember you saying that um there's, there's the bit people loving in your eyes oh yeah they love the there's stairs. the bit where they go mental it was years ago i remember you were talking about when you recorded it about how jesus like something that you do in two minutes when you're, in two minutes and you're like oh that sounds grand and then you're like 20 odd years you're still going oh god here's this bit <laughs> yeah those high notes are like dogs they, they don't yeah. know what's come when I call but I don't know I don't know until I'm right there whether that's actually going to be the case <laughs> I don't have full confidence I was 25 when I recorded that <clears throat> and even the story of recording that was huge but that note happened about two in the morning um, 
an last ditch effort to get just a bit of frothing on the yeah thing. yeah and at the time I was singing in a lot of soul bands and stuff so I was lashing up and down to that note no bother on a regular yeah, basis yeah. Um, I came out I went off to do my picture postcard in Donegal we had a lovely couple of days I was exhausted I was exhausted because it was just I was working constantly and um, I came back and listened to it and realised that I'd actually have to produce that live in the space of three minutes okay okay yeah you see, the biggest thing is when I recorded that, I had been singing most of the night recording oh, the song. Yeah, yeah. So I had maybe done 10 or 12 passes at the song and so my voice is well warm. And so then I go approach the bench and there it is. It's not difficult uh, to just come out and sing at that level without any kind of preamble. That takes a bit of work beforehand, a bit of warming up. a bit of yeah. Now, back in the young days, it's a lot easier because your body responds much quicker as you get older, despite the fabulousness of everything. Yeah. It, like everything in life, it becomes a little bit more of a, you have to prepare a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit of screaming. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, a Small amount of preparation before you actually go headlong into the big notes. And were you really conscious that when you, when you did it, it's for you? I didn't really want it to be the exact same as what was before, because you couldn't, mm. you couldn't. Um, and to me, it's for you as a, is another great song. Um, had it been the days of the orchestra, I think it would have done a hell of a lot yeah. better. You know, but but, you know, I'm not. You know, I yeah, just yeah. I just think it's a great song, and I still like singing that too. And I don't sing it as often as in your eyes because let's be honest, they want the the big guns. <laughs> yeah. And um, to be honest, when I went back in 2010, swanning around like an ex winner, you know, previous winner, it was Hell not bad. in any way bad. It was fabulous. You were you were very much uh, Queen Eve. I actually. I was actually on the phone to you when yeah. you were walking off the ferry because there was the ash cloud. Oh yeah, Jean, you don't even talk. And about. I was uh, a wreck when it was yeah, You said, "Oh God, we've arrived! Thank God, we've arrived!" Because you, they, yeah. they sent you and somebody else just yeah, to make sure you actually and got the, and there. And Julian Blessing, who was it? Yeah. And I remember talking to you on the phone, and you walked off the ferry, and all of a sudden, people Mayhem. started shouting. Mayhem! <laughs> I, was like, I let you go. <laughs> <laughs> my cue to leave <laughs> yeah I'm done I'm done someone else can so, hold this camera <laughs> so, so. after we have to, we have to talk about after Eurovision because mm. after Eurovision yeah. you got signed to Arista Records I did the home of Whitney Houston hello pardon me, <laughs> pardon me. yeah the home of Sonia as well God bless the home her of, oh, well only For very briefly, briefly after dropped her about two weeks after like I signed stone. you like were you uh, some law only so many redheads on the label at that time obviously <laughs> I was actually doing research for this interview because I thought I better uh, yeah. there might be something I don't know well, you have the same birthday as her get away yes not the same age though right oh no well, no, actually, no, not far off. But you, you're you both 13th February. That's the weirdest thing. I that's never you know, never told that. that. Oh, my God. I knew you, Robbie you... Williams had the same day as me. Oh, really? Hello? Are you not more impressed with that? But, no, Sonia no. thing is a bit weird. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Yeah, it is a bit weird. Considering at the time of the Eurovision, the first time, they all were, they thought it was a conspiracy because they never saw us in the same room at the same time. So two Oh, days. you and Sonia? Yeah, because we were so alike. Look, you, I think it's a duet. It's a duet. <laughs> Look, some Eurovision club needs to sort this out. No, stop you, it. <laughs> Look, they're going to bring it back. Both of you I do your know. songs and then sing I Know Him So Well. No. <laughs> Have you met her since? I very dare. No, I never met her. All right. Oh, no, that's not true. We stood on the same uh, doorway for about two seconds. I actually have never really met her. Really? Yeah. Seriously. That's gas. I know, because actually I, I felt like... 
I was family with every other bloody delegation. But for some reason, she would. She, oh. she was kept very separate from everybody, really. God. Yeah. So and of course she had someone minding her, who then became my A and R guy. Okay. And he's actually very famous now. Oh, of course. The lovely Mr. Simon, Simon Cowell. Cowell. <laughs> and he was totally pants as an A&R guy. Re- yeah. You I mean, know, at the time he was most famous for reviving YMCA and that's the best, the kindest thing I can say about that. <laughs> because he, so he signed you to the label. He did. And he, then... he was responsible for recommending me to the label, but he didn't actually, you know, obviously it was the MD that signed me. Okay. And she was great. And uh, Diane was fantastic. And I went with all hopes. But to be truthful, I was so unprepared for it because I was a session singer. Yeah. I wasn't an artist in my own right. So actually, they didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with me. And, and we stumbled through. And um, we recorded all sorts of different things. Obviously, for the first few months, really, it was just constantly promoting In Your Eyes Around Europe. And it was, you know, it was a very successful song throughout Europe. But in particular, in Ireland, it was the most successful song. It was the biggest sound singer for 10, I remember 10 years. number one for... Like a hundred years. Ages. So well, seven, actually, what was six that or like? Weeks. When, like, most of us will never have a number one. Like, so what? When they actually ring and go, "Hey, maybe you're number one." What's um, that? That must be nice. Yeah, it is. I, I'm not sure that I, I got that call. You know, because it was. Oh, a day. Really? There wasn't so many mobile phones. <laughs> Just looked it up in the Sunday yeah, World. Yeah, yeah. So oh. my, my mother mentioned it. it was gonna, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Of course, I got told. I don't mean that, but you know, it was it was phenomenally exciting and so. But you have to understand, I was ill prepared on every level to be recognised. Yeah. To be, you know, we printed 250 copies of In Your Eyes as Ireland's entry because uh, no record company would record it. Sony offered us some money and uh, me some money. And if I won, they would, would record it. And if I didn't, well, then I'd have the money. So they weren't okay. interested in me. So yeah, I didn't sign just... with them. And fair play to Brendan Graham and Jimmy Walsh because they supported me in that. So uh, we recorded 250 copies of uh, In Your Eyes, Ireland's entry. That's what we were expecting. And it was thousands and thousands and thousands of copies after that. And it was the number one for about seven weeks. So they had to, so basically when you signed to Arrest Records, they were like, we need to buy in your eyes off you. And you're yeah. like, that's no problem. They did. Get that checkbook out, son. They did. <laughs> and they bought, and in fairness, a couple of people offered us, uh, different companies were offering us the to buy it. But Arista gave me the record deal beyond that, a proper record deal. And actually... In fairness to Brendan and uh, Jimmy, they allowed that be the case as opposed to me um, okay. having to take a more money, say. Oh, right. Okay. Without a further deal. deal. Oh, right. Okay. But in retrospect, I don't know what's best. You know what I missed uh, and probably have missed my whole life is having a proper manager. Yeah. But I'll manage you, Neve. Darling. God, I think what would you do with me though? I don't know. Couldn't. I just think we'd have a lot of lovely dinners somewhere. <laughs> your, your career would probably be in the toilet yeah, in six but, months. <laughs> but but look, we, we, we'd, we'd be working in Dubai for time. sure. We'd have a lovely time. We'd be in Dubai yeah, for yeah. sure. We'd be in Dubai on a cruise ship somewhere. Uh, for sure, for sure. Just go on nice holidays. Oh, it sounds like a plan. But, you know, I'm kind of at that stage of my life where I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> Back then I might have been a bit more militant, but uh, I think now. But yeah. like you, so you recorded Flying Blind. Um, yeah, great album. Um, which great is a, album. And it's still available on iTunes. Yes, it is. And yeah. still, and actually anyone who owns it, which is very nice, not that many, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, anybody who owns it, it loves it. It's because there's some yeah. fantastic songs. It on is it. a great album. I think I was about, in fairness, I recorded Flying Blind in, in Nashville with John Jennings, who's a brilliant producer. 
and I came back with this album and they said it was too American so they remixed it which I, to this day I'm a bit sad about although it's still a good album it did, it wasn't what I brought home yeah I actually and, have you gave me the yes. originals and to me I was maybe about three or four years ahead of the country the modern country sound which is effectively what it was when it came back it wasn't strictly country because obviously I'm not a country singer but you know that sound and realistically we could have spearheaded that yeah. with this album and it was a super a great writers on it brilliant songs lovely mix of Irish and American writers and English writers and all so uh, realistically it's the sad old story of you have this great album and then it just it's not so much gets released but escapes because eventually yeah. you know they had too many MD changes and so it's just the way it is like it, it, I've actually interviewed a few people that have uh, had record deals mm-hmm. and stuff as part of this and there's none of them unscathed none of them unscathed and and a lot more uh, you turn off the microphone and a lot more kind of vitriol pissed off about <laughs> it than, than they're willing to speak about yes, but, of course uh, because you can't yeah but you, you seem very kind of no I'm accepting of it because yeah. in fairness I made mistakes I shouldn't they should never re-record it I kept everything I thought I knew everything and so I you know, I thought I was being good by keeping all the prices down, didn't take any fancy cars, didn't stay in fancy places. I was really practical about everything I yeah, did. I remember you. And I kept the budget quite low. I mean, it was still a lot, but it wasn't anywhere near what it ended up being. But they did all that without my permission. But I, had I had a good manager, that never would have happened. Yeah. And and had I known myself, even. Yeah, but you don't. You know, but you don't. And thing. so you, what can you do? You can only work with what you have at the time. So I'm okay without it. Yeah. Uh, you either ex- carry all that crap around with you or you just, you move on. Yeah. And so what I, uh, not carrying it allows me to go, I'll get on with my life. And yeah. I'll still record and I'll still do stuff. And, you know, I still do stuff. And you recorded great stuff after it. I did. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I still, I'm still delighted and amazed and absolutely chuffed when people ring me and say, will you come and work with me on something? We went to see Bonnie Raitt. Oh, I Which was her. in Baker Street. Yeah. I would have her children. We were walking out of that yeah. gig mm-hmm. and there was a man leaving with his wife. Yes, that's who right. Who came up. Oh my God. And you got, yeah. Probably you're going to say this. Yeah, you're going to say it. It has to be said. No, uh, who came up to you and said, oh, Neve, I just want to say, I thought your version of I Can't Make You Love You was Oh my God. Well, did you know, nice. I, it was a beautiful moment, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, I was delighted I saw You know, I, I mean, it was. I was fighting you to say liar in my head. You know, because obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, Bonnie Ray is goddess, but... You know, I think sometimes with a song, yeah, or with a singer, if you hear something first with them, no matter how yeah. brilliant someone else does it, that's your that's your version. Yeah. And I am chuffed that he felt that way. Right? Yeah, it was just I was so delighted I saw yeah. that. I was re I was over the moon like <laughs> I was like embarrassed, I'll be honest. Ah, yeah, of <laughs> but course. I, but but you're, chuffed. Yeah, I mean, that's you, like. you know, I'm not gonna pretend, right? It is embarrassing in the sense that you don't it's very hard to take that kind of, you know, some people yeah. revel on it and all that, but it, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. Like even when somebody says to me, oh, you, you sing like Rose McClooney. Now it doesn't mean that I'm like Rose McClooney, but to them, their best singer is Rose McClooney. And if they think I sing like her, then they think I'm really good. Yeah. And I get what they're trying to say to me. And I, it means an awful lot to me because yeah. realistically, I, I don't just do this because I earn my money at it. And I do earn my money at it, right? This is my job. But, I do it because actually I love singing. I love telling the story. And it won't be enough for me to be part of a choir in the corner. I need to be like up close and personal with you when I'm singing. I want you to feel what I'm feeling when I sing it. I want you to understand that every breath I take involves that. And 
you know, I I want people to understand that people write these songs. Now, I don't write myself, and there's been a lot of conversation about whether that makes me a real musician or not. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. Because there's a million people who haven't written, but are still the best storytellers you ever come yeah. across. You know, you don't berate Adele because she records a Bob Dylan song. You know, no. all right, she's a wonderful writer in her own right. But do you understand me? You don't berate yeah, them for, d- yeah. for doing it. It's what cover. you're bringing. That's your thing that so, you bring. So, you know, yeah, there's great songs. And there's so many brilliant writers who maybe don't tell the tale. Yeah. You know, who can't necessarily sing it across the same way as you would. Why the hell shouldn't I be doing that? You so know? if and if they want to support further, they can buy. They can. There's stuff on iTunes they can buy. Yeah, there's stuff on iTunes they can buy. But also, what would be really lovely is I'm hoping to go in and record a new album, and for people to come and visit at gigs and understand. But to, I don't think just for me. I think for any live players. Yeah. You know, go out and look at it. You know, we've gone through recession, whatever. There are people out there doing gigs for a tenner, twenty quid. Yeah. Right. You have a night out that will just be special and fantastic. Go and support live theatre, live music, live comedians. You know, people, people who, you know. (laughs) No, but, you know, I think support these places that are giving you entertainment at a good value price. Yeah. And, you know, you have to think about where you spend your money nowadays. But go and see people so that they can still continue to come and see you. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, you could be supporting that person to become the next big thing out of this country. Yeah. And you're a part of that success if you go. Yeah. Right. And even and even if it isn't at that level, you know, go and support someone and be a part of their world for the night. And then perhaps if you become a fan, you become part of their world their whole life, whether they like it or not. Look, just like this. Like us, <laughs> Just like the two like of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, it's been brilliant. Yeah, as you It's been great talking to you. Talking too much. To- no. I want to no, tell no. all the stories about you, but I'll do that another day. God, I won't give you a minute. Oh, God. <laughs> the you stories will. you could tell. The stories, the stories you, could you could tell. In fairness, there's more stories about me that you could tell, but in fairness, there's loads. Yeah. And my favorite story that I did that I did want to talk about was you when you recorded that. Look at you, look all panicked. Well, I am nervous. <laughs> I am slightly nervous. Was when you recorded it. You recorded a song. Uh, she thinks his name was John. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> now this is a lovely song because this, this song like if you haven't heard this song this is, it. yeah. it's a woman who has a one night stand and she dies who big. gets AIDS yeah. it's, there's <laughs> nothing good about this bed. I mean there's, there's, no, nothing, there's nothing happy <laughs> but you do have a tendency to have a little bit of a giggle <laughs> and the truth is I can't take victim songs very seriously I just think it's just too much as the granny went over the cliff in the wheelchair I can't cope with it I get yeah. a little bit nervous about it but this song people really love it yeah. and it's a great song so what I tend to do is a couple of songs beforehand I'm going to sing the most depressing song on the planet the reason I do it actually is it allows people to listen to the song for what it is instead of going oh my god what the, what is this song about yeah. because you do if you really look deep into the song it's a little bit tragic you know, you, yeah. you know I mean it gets worse it just and gets worse. more and more tragic during it but it just allows you to have a bit of levity about it and really appreciate the song for what it is, which is a really beautiful song and sung reasonably well. And then you can really enjoy the song on the level that you should without going, because we're all cynics in Ireland. We love a bit of cynicism, right? Yeah. And so you get Granny Gwaltman over the cliff in a wheelchair too much. It, it, it's yeah, hard. It's we can't, we can't help us. We just go, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, uh, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> it's just the way we are. And so 
in order for me to do that and it lightens it so it means that if you approach it you can look at it as what it is instead of getting too bogged down in the whole victim end of things yeah. there's so many people do victim songs fabulously you know it's just, yeah, it's it's just, just not me not I'm not very it's good not at the victim thing. no I'm not, I'm not I have to be a bit of strength right well okay so you'll do it you'll do that next time darling next gig straight in next gig straight after Aaron Graveyrich fantastic look see <laughs> I, I can feel my influence do they still make that I <laughs> I tell you, I can feel my influence already. Already. Look, it's management, going to change. management going, material. Things, things going to change. What are you going to okay. call your management company? Um, I don't know. Oh God, you've put me on the spot now. I would say. Uh, Farley features? No, no. Far- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do. <laughs> Done. I know I say this after every guest, but she is just one of the loveliest people you're ever likely to meet. When Neve won the Eurovision in 1993, we were at the beginning of a cultural and economic boom in Ireland. And when she returned in 2010, we were in the middle of a bitter recession. At the time, more than one journalist joked with her and said that maybe she'd be able to sing us out of recession. And at the time, she said, you only have to do well to feel like you've won. Not a bad piece of advice. Well, all that remains is for me to thank my guests, Neil Delamere and Neve Kavanagh. If you get a chance to go and see Neve live, do, because she will knock your socks off. And if she doesn't do the Aaron Gravy Rich song, let me know and I'll have a word. You can find me on Twitter, and if you like the show, please tweet about it or put it on Facebook. And if you want to contact me, send an email to garode at garodefarrelly.com. Well, episode five done already. There's just one more episode before I take a little break to make more. But if you have any ideas of people that you'd like to hear me talk to, don't be afraid to get in touch. The worst that can happen is I'll just email you back and say, don't be ridiculous. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com.